the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 21st chapter. Jesus said to the people, listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the harvest time had come, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect his produce. But the tenants seized his slaves and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other slaves, more than the first, and they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and get his inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Now when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, Well, he will put those wretches to a miserable death, leave the vineyard to other tenants, leave the vineyard to other tenants, who will give him the produce at the harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. The one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they realized that he was speaking about them. They wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowds because they regarded him as a prophet. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated and the children may come forward for a children's sermon. That's okay. The people here are the people here, and that's good. Yeah, I know. I was tired. Yeah. The rain woke you up. Some noisy rain. What are these? Pans. Plastic pans. Pans? We almost got it. Paint cans. Separate the two words. Paint cans, right? They can be paint. Now, there's no paint in them. Nope, no paint in them. Paint cans. Part of every project is, well, part of every project that you need to is painting, right? Painting what? Uh, some, yeah, you could use it as a drum, kind of like a bucket. But we could also fill it with paint because sometimes we're boring. Yeah. I got a question for you. Have you ever tried to pick out paint for anything? Yeah? What? Oh, yeah. No, yeah, you just see a bunch of colors and you're like, this is boring, right? Yeah. I have a question. Yes? Why is that 
Oh, we're going to have a baptism today. Yay! I know. I'm excited too. What all have you picked out paint colors for? Yes. Mm-hmm. Could be houses or buildings. Anything else you've ever... It could be a picture that you were painting. It could be a project that you did. Have you ever had to pick out paint colors? Yeah. We had to paint my room. Ooh. Oh, or uh, my sister's room. Okay, a room. How did you make that selection? Yeah, you try to match it to something, right? Yes. Have you ever had to pick out a paint color for anything? Well, not exactly paint, but markers, because, hmm. because I was drawing a picture, and it was a really picture, and I was, um, um, and I was calling it sun, sunrise. It's a really beautiful paint, um, colors. Yeah. And, um, I had to paint it with water over top of it to make, like, the wind. Oh, yeah, like it flows. Yeah. Nice. So sometimes we use markers or crayons or anything else to make something creative. I sometimes find that picking out paint is hard because there's so many options. There are so many different things we could do. Sometimes you just want it to be a simple thing, right? So like if we would just paint everything in this sanctuary white, it'd be easy, but it'd also be boring, right? If you had to paint the sanctuary, time out. We're not painting the sanctuary right now. <laughs> Time in. If you had to paint the sanctuary something, what would we paint the sanctuary? Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we would paint crosses, yeah. We might want to keep some of these paintings, but maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe you can paint your shoe. A shoe? You can paint your shoes. Oh, you could paint your shoes. I actually know somebody who did that. I don't suggest it. But I do know somebody who did that. <coughs> what color would you pick? Um, yeah. Like beige. Beige. <laughs> so kind of the same. <laughs> what color would you pick? Um, I would pick rainbow. Rainbow. Ooh. What if What if I got to pick and I said the whole thing should be scarlet and gray, just like Ohio State. We could do buckeye leaves up and down the walls. <laughs> so is that a no? <laughs> okay. Part of painting is work, but part of painting is creativity. We get to figure out on our own what this project's going to look like. And this project will, as long as the paint's there, reflect some of the creativity that we bring to it. About the bathroom, yeah. So we're, gonna, we're going to use these paint cans, these paint cans, for the rest of our time of collecting as a means of being creative about what we put in here not only represents the way that we help with the bathroom project, but it's also about how we are being creative with what we have. It's not just doing the same old thing, the same old thing. It's making sure that newness is coming to life through our actions. Yeah. I don't know. I'm sure somebody knows, but I don't know. I don't know. But I want to do something creative with these buckets. I got two. I got two. 
as we collect for this restroom, is there anything creative we could do with these? Yeah. Nah, they're not big enough to be a sink. As we collect, is there any creative way we could collect? Mm hmm. Okay, so we could collect for, actually, that's where the rest of our offering money goes, is for all the rest of that stuff. But we could do two collections. I like that idea. What should the two represent? They're both going to go to the bathroom. What should the two represent? Jack. Um, you can use that for where, where, where you can set when the party goes, when you can set. No, I think we're going to use them as collection things. Okay. We're very creative today, and I appreciate that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Just imagine, this is the fire, this is the stuff. And, um, we would need one they're more. Collecting, they're collecting money. They're collecting um, some things to help the battle. Like, um, like money for the bread. I've got an idea. What? I've got an idea. Because of the way that we groaned earlier. What if I decorate this one with scarlet and gray and this one with blue and white? And we just see which can collects more. Do we like the idea? Do we like the idea? Okay, okay. I will decorate these, scarlet and gray, blue and white. And I want you to see, maybe if you can get some folks around here to put some money into these for the restroom project, okay? We're going to be creative with this. Creative with this. So between now and then, nudge some people. Nudge some people. Next week, I'll have these out. And so you can take them with you to Sunday school. And you can take them around to all the different places. And you can bring them here. And we'll just see over the course of October what happens. Okay? All right. I like this creativity. I think we're going to leave it here for now. And let's see how it goes. Okay? Let's pray. Shall we pray? Yeah. Hmm. God, in the midst of this Sunday, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for the creative ways that you love us, that you give us good and gracious gifts, and the way, for the way that you call us to be creative with the gifts that you've given. For this project, for all that we do every day, we ask that you would keep helping us be creative and how we love one another, and how we serve one another, and how we use the gifts that we're given. Be with us now, and with us as we go out. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Here's a snack. Okay. In the name of Jesus, amen. This parable, like many parables, can lead us to a place quickly, and yet, I think it can be a very nuanced parable as well. 
By the time you get done reading the first lesson today and the psalm today and the second lesson today and you get to the gospel, there is an experience of knowing how this thing is trying to work. Or at least, supposedly. We have a parable where a landowner has a vineyard, builds it up very, very well, gives it to some tenants, goes out of town, sends some slaves, some servants there to harvest during the harvest time and to collect what is rightfully the landowner's. The first wave comes and they're beaten and stoned and killed. The second wave comes, the same thing. Finally, he sends the son. The son is thrown out and killed so that they might receive the inheritance. And if we move quickly through this parable, sometimes we see, we can see, that the inheritance and the landowner and the servants somewhat mirror the workings of our faith story, the workings of our Old Testament and our New Testament. So God being the landowner would work up a good covenant with God's people and hand that covenant, hand that blessing, hand that honor over to Abraham and his descendants and then send to them judges and kings and prophets and all of them either are rejected because of their goodness or are beaten and stoned and killed or aren't very good at what they're being called to do. And finally, God sends a son to God's people, and that son is killed. And so we see a mirror there. But I would say we have to be careful of what our homiletical work, of what our theological work, of what our exegetical work is doing. Because we know a few things about God that don't quite match up with how the parable goes. For instance, does God deny God's own covenants? As we work through Scripture, and as we work through the New Testament, no. The promise, the covenant that God made with Noah and all of creation has been upheld. The promise that God made with Abraham and his descendants is upheld, and it's through that covenant that we even experience Christ at all. And that covenant is upheld with us. God does not take God's covenant away from God's people. While this may have mirror images, this isn't quite exactly an allegory. It's a parable. In fact, we know it's not exactly an allegory because we have seen what happens when the son is killed, right? The son is killed, and instead of God taking away goodness from the Israelite people and the Jewish people and all the people of the earth, God instead gives good and gracious blessing to all. The son is killed, and we are saved. Which is not quite how the parable goes. So if this parable isn't strictly talking about God and the Israelites, if this parable isn't strictly talking about the first covenant, if this parable isn't strictly talking about covenant life at all, then what's it talking about? I think it's talking about the gospel. About the free gift of God that's given to all of us. 
And we are naturally to assume the position of the tenants. What are we doing with the gift? What are we doing with the gospel? What are we doing with the vineyard? What are we doing with the good and holy thing we've been given? So consider it. Consider everything that flows out of this baptismal font. This baptismal font, not this actual physical structure, not this actual molecular water, but this baptismal font is what bore Trinity to begin with. Out of this baptismal font has been promises and faith has been life flowing, which preceded us in 1787 and will follow us long after whatever happens to this building and this people and whatever else. Out of the font has come good and gracious gifts. And ever since, we've been called to be creative with how we've borne those into the world. So look at the world. What's it look like? If you had to look at this world, and whether you're looking at it through the lens of the first lesson today where you're trying to decide whether it's wild grapes or good grapes that are growing, if you had to look at this world and decide whether or not the Christian voice is strong in its witness and good at gathering in the gifts of God for the people of God, or if it's a very, very selfish world, if you had to look at this world and just analyze it, how does it look to you? How's the world look? I see thinking faces, so I'm waiting. Broken. What else? Or does that just speak for everybody? Chaos. Busy. No center. Yeah. There's struggle, there's pain, there's anguish. There's some really good stuff too. But it feels almost sick. You know how you feel when you get a cold? You're weighed down, you're heavy, you don't want to move. There's stuff that's just not letting you breathe correctly. There's stuff that's just not letting you think correctly. There's just, you don't act like you want to. You don't feel like you want to. You can't get the stuff done that you want to. It feels like the world is sick. So what are we supposed to do? If the parable is about us with the gifts of God for God's people, if the parable is about us as a church and a congregation being stewards of something that isn't quite ours, of a resurrection that isn't quite ours, of a gospel that isn't quite ours, of a benevolence towards God's people that isn't quite ours, what are we to do with a world that feels the? Be the light. Yeah. 
be the Christ. The unique part of this parable is that ending that we just talked about. In Christ's death, we are not forsaken. In fact, we are brought even closer. In Christ's death, we are given a joint inheritance. I mean, in the parable, the the tenants kill the son because they want his inheritance, and it doesn't work. Why? Because no one in their right mind is going to say, hey, I got a good idea. You just murdered my son. Here you go. Have everything that's mine. No, that's not the way it works. But God in Christ Jesus does something different, does something creative, does something out of the ordinary. God looks at a world that inflicts pain. God looks at a world that causes death. God looks at a world that's bleh. And then gives that world even more goodness and even more grace and even more life. God gives God's own life to this world. Not that God might be less for it, but that we might be more for it. God, in our sickness, washes us, cradles us above the baptismal waters, holds us just like we need to be washed and cradled and held when we are truly sick. And we are to be the hands and feet of God. We are to be the voice of God for this world. The ones that wash and cradle and hold the world. We are to be something that not any other institution is called to be. We are to bring the voice of God. Think about your everyday life. Think about the faith that you hold inside of you. And like you were told to write out last week, think about what you see daily. And if you could, if you could take any part of your day and hold it and care for it and wash it anew, what would it be? take any part of your day bring it to life-giving goodness, what would it be? If you could take any community that you see, any place that you see, any situation that you see, and bring it to a good and loving source of life, what would it be? Hold that in your mind. And know that not it's some kind of magic wand question that can't be accomplished but it's actually our calling and it can be accomplished you can take the things of this world and bring to them good and life giving life you can bring to this world the gospel and you can indeed be the hands and feet of God not because you're great not because you're perfect but because God is with us among us and has it in store for us to be exactly that. This isn't water that stays here. This is water that we carry out with us. This is water that comes from God through us for the world. So Adam, today, when you're baptized with this water, you're baptized in the calling that we all share. To be like God would be. To be like Christ would be. 
as best you know how. Now, in case this seems too big, in case the calling to bring the good gifts of God out into the world seems complicated and you want step-by-step instructions, know this, that as your pastor and as a resident theologian in this place, I admit fully and wholly that I am making all of it up. I'm not making up the theology part, but... I'm making up the actions as I go. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, and I don't know what's going to happen today. I don't know what's going to happen in the next few seconds. You'll learn some tricks along the way to anticipate, but quite honestly, the life of God in Christ Jesus is not about knowing exactly what you're going to do. It's about having the gospel rooted in you and through you and with you so that wherever you are, You know how to act. You know how to be. You know how to hold yourself. You know what discipleship looks like and how it should be there. Make it up. Do something. Be something. Should we be like the tenants? who simply do not want to give to God what is God's, do not want to give to God's people what is God's people, God will do something else. So don't feel like there's only one way and it's through you. But know this. The voice of the church is called to be a strong voice. And the voice of the church is called to be a proclaiming voice of God's grace and mercy for the world, God's love for the world, of what justice and mercy look like. And there's not another organization out there that's called to be that. That's the church. So, consider what it is out of everything you see in the day that you would bring to these life-giving waters and bring it. It's a tough call, but I'll bet you can do it by the grace of God. I kind of want to say go in peace, serve the Lord, but we still got service. So not quite yet. Thanks be to God. Amen.